Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Puck and Roll. Welcome to episode eight of the Puck and Roll podcast, season two. This is a very, very exciting one, as we have a very special guest on the show. Marc Dumont, welcome on. You absolutely nailed the pronunciation there. That was that was fantastic. That was some high I, I, quality. I'm a Montrealer. I'm a Montrealer. Yeah, I'm from Montreal. Exactly. It's better than the, the, the Marc Dumont that I get often. So yeah, I appreciate Mark that. Marc Dumont? Oof. Yeah, well, when I, was, when I was younger, we'd know it would be... Um, uh, you know, scam artists or, or or just people annoying us when they'd ask for my father was called Jean, so they'd ask Jean for Dumont. they'd ask for yeah. Jean Dumonti. So <laughs> when they asked for Jean Dumonti, we knew it was time to hang up. So I appreciate the effort there. Perfect. And uh, for those who don't know, which is maybe one person listening, uh, Mark is currently the like covers the Habs for Montreal Hockey now, uh, and he also uh, is involved with. Um, Game Over Montreal, which is part of the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. And joining us uh, today are Aaron Idovich and Joshua Rosa. Uh, welcome back on the show, guys. Nice to have you as always. So for this episode, let's kick it off with just talking about what, how the Habs have been in the past few games, let's say like the five games. Mark, what are some of the trends that you've been seeing with the team that you found interesting? Um, you know, it's been a pretty crazy season all around. I feel like even the only thing, and we'll get to that, that's been somewhat consistent. Um, you know, you've got goaltending and maybe the top line, but everything else has been pretty much chaos, right? And you, you get for a little while, you get, for example, we saw who was he playing with, uh, Josh Henderson? It was Monahan and Dvorak, right? Was that correct? It was Monahan, Dadanoff. Dadanoff, yes. Yeah. Okay. So they were producing fantastic numbers. Like at one point I was so excited because I thought, okay, so since Doc has been on the top line, you're seeing great, great, great underlying numbers. They've actually cooled off a little bit, but there's been no secondary scoring for the Canadians this year, right guys? Like it hasn't been not just not consistent. It's been almost invisible. Non-existent. So, yeah. When, when we see um, some secondary, secondary scoring coming, like we saw at the beginning, uh, you know, maybe about five games ago, I was getting pretty excited, but that dropped off pretty quickly um i would love to see a little more consistency in, in the second and, and and third lines but to me the biggest thing that i've noticed is since mike matheson has returned and since joel edmison has returned it, let's be perfectly honest the team has been much worse defensively and that's not just the eye test that's statistically speaking that's quite accurate and and, and again it's really harsh because these guys what matheson's played what maybe 30 minutes since coming back and this is 10 games for 
Joel Edmondson, but I find it incredibly interesting that it's the rookies holding the fort for the Canadians. They're the ones putting up great numbers. And to me, if I'm if I'm Ken Hughes, I look at this and I say, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna move one of my veteran defensemen. And and obviously I wouldn't move Matheson. And obviously, you know, people will say Weidman, but statistically he's been better than both of those guys. So yeah, I, I think the play from the rookies recently and the unfortunate underwhelming results from the 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 veterans. Uh, has been kind of the, the the exciting story in the in the last week, and it opens up options. You have to save Caden Gooley at some point. Like, let's not. <laughs> I don't want to insult David Saval, but let's be perfectly honest here. If you had an ideal team, I'm not even sure if he'd be on your third pairing, right? Like, I I think he's doing as good as he could in the situation with what he has, but they have to get Caden Gooley away from him. So we saw that start there with Edmondson. That was a disaster. Um, when Edmondson it was worse. When with Edmondson was the Jack Eye, it was a disaster. When Edmondson, like, there's a recurring theme here with Edmondson, right? So, um, I, I I look forward to Saval finally getting a decent, um, reliable defensive partner, and uh, I look forward to seeing what if Kovacevic and Harris can can carry this throughout. And, and let's be honest, the best third pairing we've had this year, or we've seen, sorry, has been Chris Weidman and Arbor Jack Eye. So you know it's it's funny, but it leaves Edmondson as the odd man out there in in the in the grand scheme of things. And there's a lot of teams looking for basically Joel Edmondson right now as well, right? Like that's that big. You were about defenseman. to describe. You're about to describe his qualities, but yeah, they're looking for a Joel Edmondson. Exactly. Uh, you yeah. know, there's so many so many teams that think they're too soft or blah blah blah, and they, they can and just Toronto plug him and in. Ottawa, right? Yeah. Like Toronto, yeah. Ottawa are looking for that exact mold. And mm-hmm. I'd be shocked to hear if they hadn't called on, on Joel Edmondson. I know that uh, Ottawa has been been really active in that sense. Now, I will say this. Um, the Leafs try to avoid dealing with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, understandably. And it is exactly for the reason you'd think. So I don't want to get into too much details with it. But um, you know that whole handshake, uh, hand, handshake line quote, which is the, one of the funniest things a coach has ever said. Yep. Um, oh, we got more respect. Well, they really took that loss to the Canadians to heart. So they're going to avoid trading with the Canadians if they can. And 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 I'm not joking about this. I know it sounds a little bit kind of, you know, silly. Petty? Yeah, petty as well. But um, yeah, they're not going to look to the Canadians to get more respect in the handshake line. That's basically what their game plan is. Which makes sense. But if you look at their defensive core right now, right, like it is... It is a problem when you have Justin Hall playing 25 minutes a night right now. Like that is Toronto yeah. for calling for his head. Like, and is Mete ago. Mete's playing a like? And I love Victor Mete. Don't get me and, wrong. I mean, I mean, I think he's interesting, but he's never been a positive possession player, right? So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's but you know what's the crazy guy. part? I look at I look they at the did. Leafs, and I actually think they need more help up front. Even as bad as their defense has been you get away from the big four and there's been no offensive production there. So they acquire a guy that couldn't even crack the coyotes lineup. Like, I mean, look, yeah. Who was uh, that? I I had to Timmons, Connor Timmons, which was a good trade from from my perspective, like a really good trade because Mm -hmm. they traded away Curtis Douglas, uh, Mr. Six foot nine, who got bullied by Zevi Simonu in the AHL. Oh uh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. It was like a, a honey badger jumping on the back of a rhino. Yeah. 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 Beautiful play. And they, they trade him for Connor Timmons, who is an injury-prone former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, no, I mean, second-round pick. Uh, oh, was he like 30? No, you know why overall? he was a second-round pick? Because back then there were 31 teams. 
Yeah, 30 oh, second overall. Second? Oh my god. Okay. I, I know. I'm, I'm such a pedant. Like, oh, I actually, actually, he was a 32nd overall. You know, I'll say this. I think that overall, Kyle Dubas has done an excellent job with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I, I, I think it's funny, you know, to watch them fail miserably over and over, like some sort of perverted hockey version of Groundhog Day. Like it's, it's so exciting. It's so fun for everyone else except for Leafs fans. But if I was him, I, I I would have done the same moves and I would also held the fort with with those decisions. Like, okay, there were some bad ones, Foligno and all that. Foligno. I think the, this offseason was brutal yeah. for him. Okay, well, yeah, and but I actually think getting rid of the Mrazek thing, that was, I mean, that was the that move was to impressive. make. That was the move the, to make. The, the fight, However, you lost out on Owen Beck there, right? Exactly. And they were very high on Owen Beck. I, I, from everything I've heard... Uh, they, Owen Beck would have been their guy at 25. So um, and Owen Beck would have been a way better player than Kylie Yarncroke for their third line. Oh something. God, yes. Oh God, yes. And, and and I'll say this: I was speaking to Owen's uh, agent Dan, and uh, he was telling me like they were convinced they they had bought basically you know some gear because you wanna you wanna wear that gear when they when the when the team uh, you know uh, has you involved like you wanna give it to all your family and stuff. But they thought for sure the Leafs were going and they were essentially mm-hmm. getting packing their bags to go to, to, to Toronto. So that worked out incredibly well for, for the Canadians. And I'll say this about Owen Beck. When I was at the draft uh, in Buffalo, I was uh, having some beers with some guys that work with the Sabres. And anytime I mentioned the word Beck or Hudson ears perked up at other tables. Cause you had the, the, the Leafs were, were just a table over the Sens were just a table over. You had, um, there were like four or five teams of scouts just there. And I could tell that these guys were pretty annoyed that the Canadians had a killer draft. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. you know, it, it all worked out for the Montreal Canadians, but going back to it, we're probably not going to see a deal between the Habs and the Leafs anytime soon. Which does make a lot of sense. And speaking of, potential deals mm-hmm. the montreal canadians have gotten quite incredible goaltending this season uh except for that one that one game against buffalo jake allen's been tremendous mm-hmm. uh samuel is i believe tied for sixth in the league in state percentage mm-hmm. second coming this, this is not <laughs> <laughs> this is not a goaltending tandem that should be good but no no been, absolutely not they've been excellent and they are a big reason that the Habs are are over 500 after 20 games. Firstly, I, what do you think of of that of that like that tandem, Mark? But and secondly, is this something that the Habs can weaponize and get like a lot of value for a player that may not have had too much value even as early as like a month ago? Well, I mean, to me, Montabo. Hey, listen, I, I I'll be honest. That that to me was a tank move, right? You know, like the, signing yeah. him was a tank move, and it's kind of backfired. And great for him because when we look at it, we always talk about the primes of certain players. So statistically speaking, a forward is between twenty and twenty-four, right? And it goes, you know, it could go up to twenty-eight. Good players buck the trend, but for goalies, you're actually lining it up closer to twenty-eight to thirty-two. You know, which is what we thought it was ten years ago about players, but that still yeah. applies to goalies. So I actually I'm looking at Motabo thinking, hey, maybe. Just maybe this guy could be kind of a, a stopgap measure until guys like Verbetic or, or Dikau or, or Dobesh are ready to come in, in the league. But at the same time, if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I have Jake Allen on, on the market right now. Like, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't hesitate. Absolutely. And, and, you know, not just at the deadline, because 
at the deadline, the, you're pretty much set there. But right now, there's some teams that are panicking. There's some teams that are, you know, just kind of uh, stuck in the middle of the pack and they've already invested a lot. So Jake Allen, to me, statistically speaking, he has only his worst years ahead of him. And uh, I think we've seen actually a slight decline in his play, which is surprising because I thought he was like the X factor for ruining the tank. But no, it is Samuel Montabo. So Montabo has been a fantastic story. Um, and I would not even hesitate to get uh, Allen out there. And I know people will say, well, so what, you'll call out Caden Primo? Yeah, I would. I mean, listen, at this point, at his age, you got to see, I know it's been a tough year in the AHL. He had a, those good playoff, uh, that good playoff run last year, but you have to see what Caden Primo can do. It's kind of one of those uh, crapper get off the pot situations with Caden Primo. So, you know what? It, it's a baptism by fire, but at this point, it's not like you're ruining a, a first round pick. If it goes wrong, he was a seventh round pick and he's been a pro for about five years now. I wouldn't hesitate to do that. And that would increase your odds of drafting one of those really exciting players that are available in the upcoming draft. And the very yeah. exciting to, thing for me as a scout with this draft class is it's not a thing of like Bedard or bust, right? It's not like it's, oh, you pick number one or everything after that is, is awful in comparison. Oh, God, no. Right? Like, 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 but the exciting thing here is as, as long as the Habs pick top 10, and even extend that to top 15, mm-hmm. you are getting a player that in in my view would have been top five the year be before just, yeah yeah like <laughs> it's, it's more for three for, like for me personally if i look at my current ranking of the 2023 draft class yuri slavkovsky would come in around the 15 mark yeah that, yeah which that is sounds insane about right. Yeah, right? Sounds like, like just just thinking of the uh, of the fact that a, a a like the best team to miss the playoffs could get a player comparable to the first overall pick from one year before mm-hmm. that is yeah. absurd right and, and, is, it, and just like an insanely if you, stacked draft. even getting fantilly second like that's that 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 would be i mean i'm not saying it's definitely gonna be him it could be mishkov or whatever but it, it'll be like it, i'm pretty that's sure a, that's a first overall in other years right no matter oh, what yeah like fantilly would go first overall i think jack hughes is the one toss up there but fantilly yeah. a lot bigger and I think that could have also been like the deciding factor between, between and, Hughes and, and keep Fantilli. in mind here, like we're gonna the, Kent Hughes has been actively looking for a third first rounder, which I think we actually have to, you know, we've been really it's still honeymoon phase with Kent Hughes, but the fact that he's already brought in two additional first round picks and he's still aiming yeah. for another one yeah. has been fantastic work. Not all his trades have been amazing. For example, the Lekkonen trade, I was kind of underwhelmed. Obviously, the Kulak trade turned out pretty good given who uh, who they selected, but if they can get five first rounders over two years. I mean, that is unheard of work. And, and I know nobody loves Marc Bergevin, but you do got to give him credit in the sense that he didn't mortgage the future, right? He didn't He didn't empty the cupboards before going. So yeah. um, I think Hughes has, has really done a fantastic job just turning it, turning up, let's be perfectly honest, very poor prospect pool with almost no development, no semblance of development into something that can probably float this franchise for quite a while. And you're saying, listen, we already have Owen Beck and Lane Hudson from this draft that are, that are defying all expectations. You got Meshaw who, well, eh, he's getting a little cooler, you know, with the Rangers, but still great. And you have a guy playing in the NHL. That's your first four picks for one year. I mean, right now, Ken Hughes is on pace. And I think we also have to give credit to Jeff Gordon on pace to being, becoming one of the smartest gems, not just for trades, but for, for scouting and for, uh, you know, drafting quality players. And then deeper and, in the draft, you have Vinny Rohrer, who looks way better yeah. than I thought he would. Cedric Gaindon, I, I think will be – like, I, I don't really know about Emma Croteau. I haven't seen him at all since the draft. Mm-hmm. But 
he had like the best numbers in the USHL, and that was like an eight ninety seven save percentage. The USHL oh. is hilarious for goaltending. Yeah, yeah, no, that I mean, I don't love the idea of spending anything over a six round pick on a goalie, but you know, I mean, I this draft you're kind of lucky there because, like, I just made my top thirty, my my top twenty two. Yeah, I have two defensemen, no goalies, and if I went to fifty. I think I'd have one goalie and like four defensemen. There, there are a few goalies a actually. This year. There, there, there are, there's a lot more goal, like good goalies in this draft than, than there were yes. last year. Um, like, the, like the thing is, there's always goalies team. that come on the market, right? It's one of the market yeah. inefficiencies because listen, sure. you, you have six spots for goalies that have, are signed pro contracts, right? Obviously, the ECHL team kind of signs their own, so really you only have about three or four spots, and then. You know, uh, the, the the odds of these guys actually making it, and I prefer to draft out of Europe because we get the additional years, but yeah. it's just, there's, it's just a market inefficiency. There are too many goalies and, and it just doesn't feel like you're going to get a solid return on investment. You know, wasn't there a pretty decent goalie just in the market recently? It, it always seems like there's the next big guy ends up being on the market a year later. So, you know, the Canadians will have to get a, 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 a starter, a bona fide starter. And Harry I can Price- say is not I out of the, the carry price isn't out yet, but they have to get one, right? Like, I don't know if you guys agree. Like, there's, there's I don't yeah. think Verbetic yeah. or Dobish or Dikau have starter potential Do- quite yet. Dobish is the best of the bunch, yes, yes. Dobish has for been, sure. been crazy, crazy inconsistent. He'll go 970 yeah. for a month, and then his before okay, his last two games were great. Before that, he was under 850 for about four games, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, for sure. But what I do love about him, I don't know if you have a chance to speak to him. He is a firecracker. He wants to do good. He's pretty intense. He's got that Patrick Roy, like, I want to be the best vibe about him. So that, that that's interesting. I mean, like, I think Adam the best goalie from the 22 draft Pardon me? wasn't even draft. I think the best goalie from the 2022 draft wasn't even draft. I agree. Oh, Don, Don, Don Levi? Oh, no. No, no, no. no from, from 2022. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. The, the, the best one. Uh, Hugo, Hugo Havlid. Yeah. Uh, he had a tremendous uh, U18s uh, and for, for Sweden, like one, one gold with them. Yeah. Uh, but he's undersized. He's like, what, 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, okay, ten? but and, and we've gotten to the point that, yes, I know just speaking ergonomically, big goalies, like wingspan is important. I think that's one stat we don't talk about enough. Oh, for sure. Um, we talk about height. We talk about re- but wingspan is incredibly important. Obviously, with goalies, I mean, that's Carey Price's career in a nutshell. Is he's got fantastic wingspan. But you look at a guy like Devin, who who... We all saw him on that Lane Hudson goal when he obviously he's had a great year Northeastern again. It just blows my mind that a guy like this, you know, when he was playing on the CCHL was putting up record breaking numbers and he fell to what almost the last guy in his draft year. That that's 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 nuts. And now he's pulling a 950 in college two years in a row. And he's from Montreal. I really wanted the Habs to pick him that year. Uh, The year before that, I wanted the Habs to pick Dustin Wolf. Those are like the two only Uh, times in my life that I've swung accurately on goalies. Um, because yeah. goalies are so so weird to scout. Like I'll I, tell you this right, real tough. quick about um because so the Canadians at one point they they were leading up to the draft and you know there's always pressure about um the Quebec factor you know the of Quebec course. factor it, it makes sense you know the French factor I'm a francophone I, I get it um but then there was that little where, where I think it was so unfair but when Dano got injured. Um, there were no francophones playing. There were francophones on the roster, but everyone got really like intense about it. So the Canadians actually asked me to write an article about who is available from Quebec, and it wasn't a great year. I'll be perfectly honest. 
but I put his name on there and then uh, I got asked to take it out. So I think they were actually looking. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure they were actually looking at him at one point. It's just a little disappointing. They didn't uh, see when we talk about it's good. She knew there. That's that's what yeah. he is. But anyways, all this to say they were calling him small. The guy's six foot. Like, I mean, can we, you know, he's, he's it's not all relative with goalies, right? Like everyone yeah. asks, like, like Yusuf Saros is like, a gnome, but he's not, Which... he's, he's taller, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's taller than five nine. Is he? He's sewering my fantasy team this year. Oh yeah, I thought he was like five ten, five eleven. Well, and, and uh, it's but... funny because I mean, how tall is Sidney Crosby? He's six, six foot, isn't he? Feet? He's five ten, man. Okay, you see, Sarah's five so eleven. And, no, but yeah, exactly. the, the he reason, like, like you said, 11, just going right? back to it, it's Everyone okay. Thinks he's five nine. He's 5'11". They say, okay, they say Crosby's five eleven. I'll tell you right now, that's a lie because, like, when I look at him in the eyes without skates, we're at the same level. Uh, and for example, David Dernet, they used to say he's five six. That that's a lie, man. Five six with skates on a stool, sure. But really? there's just this, this weird perception it when it comes to players that anyone under six is bad. I'm going to put it, and obviously with goalies, I think it has a little more merit. But I will actually say this. Anyone over six foot is the person that I'm worried about because statistically speaking, they're the ones that struggle. So, you know, I know so, that everyone talks about size, but but smaller players tend to do better in the NHL. So, and, and that's, just a, that's just a fact. You know, I love that everyone goes after the six foot five forwards we're seeing guys like tage thompson okay yeah amazing yeah and uh may has got moves but historically speaking how many six foot four and taller forwards in the nhl um have done well there's mario lemieux um end of list you know <laughs> like that's you know so uh yeah I, I i love that the that the habs didn't hesitate when it came to size especially with guys like uh you know we're talking about this draft roar was called undersized obviously lane hudson was undersized yeah. but uh you know that's how you that's how you make your home runs in the nhl and it's absolutely Do ridiculous need- that the bring since the debrinkat trade or, or draft that it, we haven't even gotten it through our, our thick skulls you know we know this is what's going to happen but then they get to the the plate and they're like no nah, we're going for the big goof there we're going to go for the guy that can uh you know reach the top uh, shelf in the kitchen so thankfully the habs there's absolutely no like i know kent hughes talks about size and all that the drafting team and development team does not give a darn about about size, and that that's a that's intelligent. You're taking advantage of a market inefficiency. Honestly, exactly. you just mentioned the Brinket, and I saw like the funniest tweet I've seen in a while today, and it, it has no relevance to the podcast. But the Chicago Blackhawks are the 30th ranked team, mm-hmm. and they traded Alex the Brinket to a team that's rated lower than them. The some oh man, <laughs> poor guy, eh? <laughs> out of the frying pan into oh, the kitchen. Is, you, you know what I was looking at right now? Do you know how many? And uh, I think I criticized the Blackhawks for getting rid of Kirby Doc. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the subject. Uh, sure. You know when the Kirby Doc trade happened? Like I actually loved that the Habs got a first rounder for Romanov. To me, yeah, that, that was like, huge. And yeah. and you know we talk about guys sure. like Ed- Edmondson. That that's how they're gonna get good value because they see guys that hit and they're like, oh my god, I need him. I gotta have him. But that being said, um. Kirby Doc could have fit into the rebuild. I thought it was a little silly that they got rid of him. Yeah. And I actually think however, the Blackhawks got the better side of that deal with Frank Nazar. Now he's yeah, injured I, and his, I, his D his D, D plus one is going to be rough, right? He's losing a whole year, but yeah. that was a home run for the Blackhawks. Home run pick. I I mean, th- this podcast is very much a Frank Nazar uh, fan yeah. podcast. Uh, I ranked him second. The way I've rationalized it for myself is the Habs would have taken Lekaramaki. Yeah, or exactly. Me too. Me too. Like Austin Which I would have been happy were were like well, within before the I forget before I forget and this is a little bit of tidbit of information um, that I know for a fact the Canadians weren't 
100% on Hudson or Beck either. Right? By the way, there was a lot of internal, yeah. a lot of internal debate whether or not those guys came on the board. So it goes to show they were just a, a hair away from having a bad draft. But anyways, getting getting back to all this is Kirby Doc right now. Obviously, he'd be leading the, them in scoring. But do you know how many players the Blackhawks have over 10 points after a quarter of the season? Uh, Three, two, three. Yeah. Cool. Do you know, obviously, there's the you know the two, but do you know who the third guy is? Max Domi. Domi. Max Domi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Career anyways, like I, for Domi, it's coming. But you know what? It's funny because I was criticizing them for getting rid of Doc because I didn't think he could make enough of an impact to ruin your your tank while also being young enough. But I think it was the right move in their case, and you know, I don't think the Canadians assumed that he'd be this good or find this kind of chemistry so quickly with Ca- Caulfield and Suzuki. So, you know, but hey, man, we talk about. The importance of a lot of people get worried about the next draft. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Drafting is important, but this is what you want to see, right? You want to see a line where Suzuki's the oldest guy on it at 23 in your top line. Like that's that's amazing. You have four rookies. Like I, I don't think we talk about it enough. Four rookies on the blue line. Like there was there was an era where you wouldn't see four rookies in a decade. You know, so yeah. to me, that's just the like they they rolled the dice this year. They gambled and they kind of hit on a lot of them, and it's kind of ruining the tank. But that's fine because you like, want to see like that development. You want to see the development, right? That's that's the whole point. Yeah. If it's any indication of how well the line's doing, I, I play. I just bought NHL 23, and on my newest Habs roster, it's from last week. Suzuki's in 86, Caulfield's in 84, and Doc's in 81. If I were to buy the game this week and start the same franchise, everybody got a two point bump. Like it's there going go. so yeah. quickly. Well, and. and- as much as I like Kirby Doc, first of all, his his controlled entries are just beautiful. He 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 plays a lot like Tatar in the neutral zone, not style wise, but the way he controls it. He essentially controls the pace with the neutral zone, and we've seen it. Every line he's on, the numbers, like you know, I I think Caulfield and Suzuki now they were with Josh Anderson, Mister I destroy all underlying numbers, but they were controlling what thirty percent of the high danger chances. They they were the expected goals expected goals of twenty five percent. Like yeah. that's with Nick Suzuki, right? Like he, we yeah. know that he can play well. Now Suzuki and Caulfield have never had great numbers together. That's the other side of it. So Doc has been amazing, but to me, it's it, it the story of this year. Yes, Caulfield scoring goals. Yes, Doc has been great, but this is Nick Suzuki putting the NHL on notice, saying I am a star player. Like not just defensively, but offensively. He's so creative. He's so smart, and uh, you know the. the <laughs> Also, with the pressure of being the youngest captain in franchise history, the most paid forward in franchise history, he's taken it on so well. And he's also developed that side that where he's dealing with the community, being great to fans. So, you know, uh, Nick Suzuki, which I will admit I wanted Cody Glass at the time. Um, <laughs> I, I even I was telling Nick Suzuki's mom because she came on my podcast the other day. I was like, yeah, I, I actually... I actually trashed your son the, the night of the, the trade, you know? And she's like, oh, geez. But, um, you know, his ascension to, to to being a star player, and I get it. He's not going to shoot 20% forever. But, you know, I, a lot of people are trying to poo-poo on his his ascension as a star player in the NHL. And, and that's unfortunate because he is such a smart player, so fun to watch, and he's just so good for hockey. It's really unfortunate that there's been so much pushback on his – um, on his big season so far, I, I really think that he's Nick not going to should be spoken gonna, about a lot more. Yeah. You know, he's not going to shoot twenty percent forever, or will he? Oh yeah, yeah. Unless <laughs> you know, well, unless okay. he does. Let's talk about that because I, I think listen, Dom got a lot of criticism for that. Now it was more the way 
he reacted to it. Like, listen, I, I get it. Yeah. Once in a while, when you put analysis, you take one on the chin. Even if you're going to be right at the end of the year, during the year, you have to take it on the chin. I mean, I suggested trading Josh Anderson, and he scored two goals that game. You're right. You know, like, or two goals in the next two games. So once in a while, you take a loss. But when looking at those models, and I think they're fantastic. I'm not trying to discredit any kind of analytical model or anything like that. Um you have to account, first of all, for outliers. That's just a core part of data analysis. But also, let's keep in mind here, we've our data for, for Nick Suzuki is based on what? One of the worst seasons in the history of the franchise, right? Yeah. Um, this is a guy about to hit his prime that never had a proper line in the entire NHL. So, you know, there is some context that is important that can't be included in those algorithms that uh, I think explain why he's been just excellent like for once he's on an offensively oriented line that uh you know that actually knows how to pass no offense josh anderson and um you know it's it's been going quite well just because he's so intelligent really i i i find it unfortunate that the whole talk about his shooting percentage came into play but that's what should have happened the thing is what did happen was different so we'll cross that bridge when he gets there when the shooting percentage collapses but for now these things are in the history books. They're not getting erased. So, you know, it's shame that I know it'll upset some people, but what, he's on a hundred point pace. And that's the fact right now. Yeah. That's, that's what we can go on. Look, if we're looking at unsustainable shooting percentages, I feel like Rem Pitlick is the best case we have on our own. Oh my God. God. Last he's year. He's at 30% right? last year, wasn't 30, he? 37 now, 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 do you guys have the, because I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure every guy in the top 10 for goals, except for Caulfield, actually, is at about 20%. Um, Connor McDavid, I think, is like 24%. And obviously, you're not going to tell Connor McDavid that he should be shooting less, but he should. Carlson's at what, like 30%? Um, so inflated shooting percentages is how people become goal-scoring leaders in the NHL. You know, it doesn't Especially mean... early on in the season. Exactly, exactly. Now, and here's... It could maintain to the end of the year. We don't... It probably won't. It probably won't. But we've seen guys get huge contracts for maintaining a ridiculous shooting percentage throughout their entire season. So... Yes, he should score less, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he will score less. And kind of a and weird an... case there. I feel like St. Louis signed two unsustainable shooting percentage players to $65 million deals. Yeah, who was the... One of them was... Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. One of them was like 32%. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, Well, Robert Thomas, I think, um, that was an probably... an amazing player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan Cairo yeah. is looking a little shaky. Yeah, well, and you're going to see more teams do that. Um, you know, for example, like what was the Tage Thompson contract per uh... 7140000 something thousand. Okay. So, oh, I'm just looking at it now. Okay. So, and they signed that when? Was that uh, the beginning of uh, this year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was in the uh, well, like, Yeah. Well, August there. Okay. So, we're going to see a lot more teams take gambles with their younger players and try to lock them down longer. And first of all, like, I mean, to me, Tage Thompson just breaks my mind. That guy that big shouldn't be able to move that fast. But we're seeing teams figure out. And one of the biggest issues that you're hearing around the league is veterans getting squeezed out. And it sucks. It's tough, man. Because as an athlete, when you get told, like, your, your, your body's not good enough for us, that means, like, you're getting forced retirement. But teams have figured out that you spend your money on the kids. And now with Caulfield and Slavkovsky and obviously Harris and, 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 and all them coming up, I think the Habs are in a pretty good situation to put money in the right areas. You know, no more signing 29-year-old free agents that are, you know, coming off a, a career year that are about to, you know, dissipate into the ghost of the former selves. That's, like that's Mark, what I mean. How long do you think Jordan Howard signs for? Because he's also an RFA at the end of the season. Ooh. 
Yeah, well, they burned a year last year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna seem smarter and, by bringing and he was up. Always gonna be a two-year contract because he finished out college. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know for a fact he's an RFA. We yeah. No, no, absolutely. I, I, I think, I think they're gonna obviously avoid. Uh, oh, and I want to say one thing. I know a lot of people said the only reason Harris signed was because of um, Kent Hughes. That's not true. Isn't it the opposite? He exactly. I one listen. of the, the reason that he actually hesitated was because Mac Bergevin got fired. So they always had a relationship, a really strong one, and it was always understood he was going to go to college for four years because the Harris is very smart family, like you're cerebral, like really brilliant people. But uh, Kent Hughes coming in was was actually a wrinkle in the plans. Now that being said, Kent Hughes will never have an issue signing a guy because he, he's a, he's a player agent, right? He knows how to play that game. But but I mean, with Harris, I would probably, I guess, I'd like to see him do well away from Kovacevic, and not that he hasn't in this limited time, but. I'd like to get more data, like from a different defensive partner, um, but I wouldn't hesitate to give him a five or six year deal at something reasonable at the three and a half right now. You know, like I know that seems like a lot, but to me, you're buying prime years, and I don't think there's much that Jordan Harris does poorly right now. He's your hybrid defenseman that you want all over your lineup. He's a perfect number four, right? Like, like you can play exactly. with with anyone uh, in a pinch. You can play on a top pair. You can play either side of defense, right? Like. Well, I still want to exact... see him on the power play. Come on. Actually, he, oh, got, sure. he got a few shifts though, right? And and he's, he's he's so deceptive with the puck on his stick and so intelligent as puck movement. Well, like, like, no, you, you don't want him on a, on a first power play if you're a contending no. team. No, no, but I mean, but he was a, when a he pinch. was a QB for Northeastern. Or, um, yeah, yeah, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, well, not maybe not last year, but the year before that where he, you know, yeah. obviously he had to, he, 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 he was junior one of year. the best power play QBs in the NCAA, right? So for sure. now, now my question is, Yes, Harris gets to be signed, but you also have to take care of what Kovacevic is still has this three years, right? He has another he, three years. He has two more years after this one. That is such an amazing grace period for the At Canadians. 766. Yeah. Oh my God. Just to figure out how long, you know, you keep him around. Because in my estimation, in my opinion, which is quite wrong quite often, I would say Kovacevic should figure in your plans for the future, at least for the time being. Um, he's shown that. I mean, thank you, Winnipeg. Like, thanks for developing him and then handing him over. But um, he's not a guy that'll blow you away when you're watching him. But statistically speaking, Jonathan Kovacevic has been Montreal Canadiens' best defenseman and, like, by a country mile. Obviously, the pairing with Harris has been huge. But, um, you know, if you can keep those two together and keep having great numbers, and it's not like they're they're being sheltered. So, um, yeah. No, I, I, I think I, it was, I, like, goals saved above replacement. He's, like, third out of all rookies yeah well there you go yeah. and, and and i mean he's an intelligent player he's got the skill he's got the drive he's a nice guy too um you know i wouldn't hesitate to sign him long term now i'm terrible when it comes to what players are worth or whatnot like i, I you know i would probably get up to cold coffee and be like here's 10 million times to eight do you want this you know like i feel like this is more than fair but uh you know i think if you can get harris on a, like a four or five year deal at a reasonable price you take that gamble honestly you say that about cold caulfield but during the Jason Robertson process, mm -hmm. there were some ridiculous numbers out there. Like, like I heard Mitch Marner being thrown out as a comp. And well, I mean, and Jason Robertson Jason Robertson might be a top five player in the NHL, though. That's the he's, crazy he's, part. He's that, 23 years so old, mm -hmm. has, has what, 16 goals and 31 mm -hmm. points in 20 games this season. He's, this is he's a, a, he's playing like he's a, a top five player in the league right now. 
Yeah. Oh no, no. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. And he's the only Robertson that's good in the NHL. So the <laughs> sorry, Lisa. I'll oh, give give Nick a break. Poor Do you guys guy. remember? Yeah, the being in the NHL. Scratched. Do you guys Poor remember guy scratched when? The Leafs fans were comparing. I like listen. Oh I almost, my god! I don't want to go back. I don't want to laugh at them because Leafs fans. What the thing is, they're dead inside, right? So it's really tough to get at them. And I give them credit for that because I, I live with one, so I can I can oh, confirm oh, that. Okay, yeah. Like there's nothing you can say that'll hurt them more than what the Leafs have already hurt. Him. Yes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but um, I kind of want to go back and and take a look at all those uh, Robertson's going to be better than Caulfield things because yeah, it looked bad under Sham, but uh, and then wait, trade Caulfield for Wayne Simmons. Well, yeah. Oh my oh, god. Oh yeah. no! It was Nick Suzuki, actually. Uh, yeah. No, Caulfield <laughs> was for um. It was. Was it? Was it? Was Polino? it? Or was some, it some, some some trade straight out of I like 1984? Like there, you know what I mean? Like we're getting like Dave Babish for like a third round. Yeah. Like it was such a 80s. But it just goes to show. I I, I will say four dollars under the cap. It's such an embarrassing. Thing. It, it, it's no. It's Palmieri. It was Caulfield or Palmieri. <laughs> That's somehow that was worse. the one. Like, geez. Yeah. Um. The, I'm so glad that we see young, smart people like you, you two, or sorry, you three. You know, putting the effort in there because the level of analysis in hockey, in my opinion, is not. Oh. Yeah. It's not. It's, it doesn't respect the sport. It's almost insulting to the sport itself, and, and it's not respectful of the fans. For the longest times, fans were treated like idiots, and yeah, I, you know, a lot of them are. I am. But that being said, there's a smarter breed of fan out there. And with all this information at your fingertips, you get embarrassed when you start putting stuff up like that. It's not the first time you said that. And we don't need to talk about who it was. No. Everyone knows. But it's been yeah. going on for 20 years. So I'm glad that there's getting pushback about stuff like that. because um, I wouldn't know. I got blocked. Well, oh, well, there you go. I, um, I'll, I'll say this. I, one of the first person that blocked me was, um, was uh, Bruce Garriock. And, oh, classic uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, well because he was suggesting my bucket list he was suggesting suban was going to get traded to like colorado for pa Parento or something stupid like it was, it was <laughs> stupid and i just responded with malkin to the malkin to the kings question mark which was a story that he ran with like five years before before oh my god twitter and he was guaranteed it he put it in print and then he blocked me and I was like, okay, yeah, good, good. To, I deserve it. But it goes to show, like, these guys have been putting this garbage out there for a long time. This isn't anything new. So I'm really glad to see, you know, there's people like Shayna, there's people like Allison, like just really smart people out there. Yeah. And, and I think hockey fans deserve that level of intelligent uh, analysis. For sure. And before we delve into the final segment of this first episode with, with Mark, because we do have a second episode with him lined up, uh, we have a quick little ad read. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think that any of us could have bet that the last two games would have went the way they went. But if you want to place the bet, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win any game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts or same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shots and an even bigger payout. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's a big word. It is a big word. You were just there. You were right there. And it it, it is also, to me, kind of funny that we had the 17-year-old reading. Yeah, I'm not not even legally allowed. You're not of age yet. (laughs) Well, I mean... it's kind of funny to me that right now, even the the freak, the Habs first line, if they go to a, a casino, I think it's only Suzuki that's legally in the states is legally allowed to gamble. So yeah, it's a there's been a bit of a youth movement all over, not just the writers but the hockey players as well. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, Habs prospects. I think uh, like I, I'm personally most excited in this in this topic to talk about the guys that aren't in the NHL yet. But let's yeah. start with the guy that is Yuri okay. Slavkovsky, the first overall pick. From mm-hmm. this past draft, Mark, what are your thoughts on like how he's been doing this season, and perhaps just the decision to pick him in the first place? Well, okay, it was actually a funny night because when we were preparing, I was working for the Canadians at the time, so we we're trying to come up with like cool stuff. Like for example, if Shane Wright would have been drafted, we'd have given him a uh, a guitar, you know, because he could play or stuff like that. We just wanted to do something cool, you know, we want to get him to, to taste puts in or whatnot. But I went on this long spiel about why they shouldn't draft Yuri uh, Slavkovsky. Like in the, our marketing team was all in the, in, in the main office. We we're all sitting around a table and I spent a good 10 minutes just saying, this is a terrible idea that they're even considering him. Like, are you not looking at his historical scoring base? Are you not overvaluating what he did against lesser nations, you know, in, in world cup in the Olympics. So um, I, everything I said negative about him and it was a rant. It was like one of my Epic rants. I turned it around, and as soon as the Canadians drafted him, I just said the opposite. I literally just said the opposite. Like, I just flipped <laughs> it around completely because it was fresh in my mind. But I had to, you know, I'm used to translating from English to French and French to English, but I had to translate from negative to positive uh, in that respect. However, I will say this. Man, I get why people are excited about him or before dr- the draft, his, his skill set. His skill set is. For sure. The tools. The raw tools, the raw skill is, is you know one of you know god's prototypes right like 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 oh, too, too, too rare to live too weird to die you know and, and if you can get that i think what kent hughes and all them said was pretty intelligent and and i'm so glad that guys like adam douglas are involved or nicholas is involved right now but um they weren't drafting the best player now they're drafting the best and you know what he actually might have been the best player now but they want him to be good you know down the road and as much as i want to see him get more ice time listen the, 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 this idea of playing on the fourth line is yeah, so is silly to me. It's silly. Listen, I, I, it's a rotating cast of of rejects on the right side. Evans has done what he could, but he also gets a rotating rotating cast of players. I'm big on the idea that if you want a guy to emulate someone on your roster, play him with him. That's the best way to learn. So this idea of him, like I can look up his ice time right now, just so I can seem a little it's, more intelligent. It's been tough. Like I also uh, before the season started, I put out like a prediction of like the Habs roster for like mm-hmm. opening night and i put Slavkovsky on the fourth line in my prediction I, I did not want him there i want him in the ahl i still want him in the ahl but i put yeah. him on the fourth line i got absolutely clowned i got approximately like 15 comments calling me an idiot because the Habs would never be dumb enough to play on the fourth line mm-hmm. and look at where we are now he's been on the fourth line well, for well, basically and- the entire season 
I think we can actually honestly say the 2022 draft was one of the first in the history where there really weren't any NHL ready players. Let's be perfectly honest. Like like Slavkovsky's done I would okay. Say, I would say there's there was one and the everyone thought it was right, NHL. but there was Mar- no Marco Ka- Marco Casper. I think Marco oh, okay. Casper is the only NHL ready player from that draft class. A lot of a lot Every of people told me Shane Wright back. was, and no, no, no he was no, he was not. No, and I will say this: OHL, you know that that OHL, dirty 100%. look he gave to the Habs. I get it, man. I absolutely do For get sure. it. Why? Well, like, I I would I'd be ha- I wouldn't want him to just roll over. That's good and all, but all this to say is that Slavkovsky, I think, has shown flashes of brilliance. He's what I really like is that he improves upon weaknesses fairly quickly. Um, you know, stuff like keeping your head up, stuff like not trying to deke five players, stuff like being not being a chaotic factor when you don't have the puck because when Slavkovsky doesn't have the puck he's 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 Loki on the ice like he sends everything in the chaos he really doesn't know where to go but that being said he improves on his weaknesses very encouraging um uh, but the fact that they didn't send him to Laval now they still can that's no issue but to me you have to guarantee more than 10 minutes of ice time right like I get it he's 18 you want to take it slow and right now the Habs are desperately trying to get rid of guys like Dadanov and 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 Hoffman and you know all the um the expensive veteran wingers, but I, I don't think it's worth it to get let's say a difference between a second and third round pick if it's gonna if you're gonna ruin half a year of his development. Now, ruin is a, is a strong word, but they've been taking it slowly. But at this point, in my opinion, you got to bring it up a notch because you know he, first of all he needs to shoot more, but to to shoot more he needs to have better teammates. He needs to take more offensive zone starts. He needs to be on the power play like. He does need an increase in usage because he's proven that he can do good with 10 minutes a night. Like, like right now he's what, uh, he's got what five points in 15 games. Is that it? Uh, I think didn't he notch his third assist? I think, I think he may be up to six points. Okay. Um, well, either way but around you're, there, you're looking at what, like a, uh, uh, like a 30 point prorated or so 25 to 30 pretty point. similar pace to Kakanyemi in, in his rookie year. I'd yeah. Say. Yeah. Which is, and, and, if we look at them, Kotkanemi actually outproduced uh, on his in his draft year, outproduced Slavkovsky like yeah. by a significant margin. So, and that was sure. one of the biggest things I was looking at. Like, geez, that doesn't man. scare me at all. Yeah, yeah, that no, not what what not one bit. And also, I wouldn't mind talking about uh, Kotkanemi. I've been keeping an eye on him. I don't get that player, but anyways, going back to to Slavkovsky, um, I think you take it slow. But when you make decisions to not send him to Laval or not send him to Europe, um, that to me has to come with uh, a caveat that says you're going to give this guy ice time. Because again, who cares if you get a third round pick instead of a second round pick for Danov? Honestly, who gives a crap? That doesn't matter. What matters is how this player is going to develop. So they took it slow and steady. They took the slow cooker route, you know. Um, but at this point, I think he's definitely ready for an increase in ice time because he needs to be challenged with is his, his decision-making, my opinion, I don't know if you guys agree, is, is his yes. biggest yeah. flaw. Like, he doesn't process the game as quickly as you'd like. Um, you know, his physical skills are there, but the computer between his shoulders isn't quite there yet. And to me, you're only really going to get better by playing better opponents, playing with better teammates, learning, you know, baptism by fire. That's the choice they took. So you might as well see what he can do with the next step. My position on Laval has changed a lot because of the way Laval is performing. I'd rather... Oh, like hot gar- you mean like hot garbage? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't want to see any of these players touched by JFL. I am yeah. happy that they're here with St. Louis and Adam Nicholas. I don't no, think this. I, was I get it, but I'll but say I this about I'll say that. this about JFL. He's a better coach than um, 
What was the guy that was Tyler a lot Blaine? like me? He talked too, too much there. Joel Bouchard. He's he's a much better coach than Joel Bouchard when it comes to X's and O's. It's not just a lot of rah rah. Let's go. You know, go red, go. Um, but that being said, yeah, we're starting to see some some deficiencies at this point. Obviously, there's a preference to keep local guys in the lineup. I get that, but that's kind of counterintuitive to um, you know. To, to, to developing your players. So in my mind, you know, when we're talking about Meshar and people are like, oh, he's not going to get ice time in Laval. Freaking right he will. You go there and you or you hold JF Ull by the tie. You like staple his tie to the desk until he guarantees you in signing that Philip Meshar is going to get ice time. I don't care if Danik Martel doesn't get ice time. Like nobody cares about that guy's ice time. So, you know, this whole idea that if they go to Laval, the minutes aren't guaranteed is crazy to me like you 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 make it happen first overall pick you make it happen um but at this point i don't think he has much left to learn against a lower level competition i think you only get smarter by playing against better opponents and it's kind of a yin and yang in the sense that it's a double-edged sword there but uh i think that's the next step for slavkovsky i i guess the counter argument there would for, from for me would be uh slavkovsky has not dominated for a full season in already a few years, right? Like mm-hmm. last season in, in the Finnish Liga, he scored what eight points in in, in the regular season and added another okay. But 10 as, points, a, right? as as a, as a seventeen year old playing pro hockey, though, right? No, for for, for sure. But, but the argument here is is one of the biggest factors in confidence is actually dominating yeah. the league, right? And well, kind of like did, what he, happened he, at the Olympics. He, he did yeah. that at at the Olympics at the World Championships, right? He was excellent there. Yeah, for sure. Small samples, but excellent. If you give him a full season against AHL competition, let him learn to play a high-skill game on North American ice mm-hmm. uh, with less space than he had last season in the Liga. I feel like that's something that will not only build confidence, but will help build some small area skill. Yep. Because one of the biggest things we've seen with him this season, this season is he tries to, to make these massive dangles that work on European ice because you have a lot more space to work with. Mm-hmm. But North America just is not feasible. That half second is it's is, so is, constricted. Is killing him. It's I, it's so constricted. I agree because I mean I wrote an article for Montreal Hockey now at the at the time, basically stating like, you know, if he goes to the AHL, that's fine. He needs minutes, but there's also the risk. And now I I agree with what you said there. There's value and confidence. I mean, we're just seeing just the confidence that Martin Saint Louis has put in the rookies has gone a very long way. Uh, you know, for the defensive rookies to perform so well. That being said. What if he goes to the HL and doesn't dominate? Because then there's your other side of it, right? Like you actually have a built-in excuse with the Habs. Um, oh, he's in the fourth line. You know, he's just learning. But if he goes to the HL, the expectations obviously are that he's going to dominate. And every single guy out there is going to be looking for him because that that gets you on the highlight reel when you lay out a guy like Salkovsky. So I agree with you that there's potential there in sending him to the HL, especially for confidence. But there's also potential that it backfires. So, you know... I, I- like one player that I think would really benefit would be Jackeye, but now I think he would have a target on his back. Well, so he's, I, fought, I he's fought. He, he, he's fought too much in the NHL. That way too that much. Is his okay, now. I'm gonna say this. I, I think, like statistically speaking, we're treating Arbor Jackeye as a goon. But no, the Hab- well, no, 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 not a sorry. The Habs are like the, okay. I'm gonna say this. I didn't like when Martin Saint Louis put him in the lineup specifically. Like you knew he was going to get a black eye from Delary. Like essentially, yeah. Martin Saint Louis agreed to that fight the minute he put Jack Eye and said they're tough. So like this kid doesn't need to have multiple brain injuries, you know, before his twenty uh, second birthday. I, I I think 
the, the club might be underrating his overall impact. And I know what you're saying, Aaron, like he could stand to, to, to spend some time in the AHL, but I think in terms of overall, like just his shot share has been one of the best defensemen and he's been one of the best defensemen getting the pucks on net. So his possession is, pucks on net is one thing though, right? Like, like, like Joel Edmondson's good at getting pucks on net. Yeah. So is Jordan Harris, by the way, but yeah, it depends what, sure, what you're, if right? you're creating it, rebound opportunities or not, or yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you look at, at Jack Eye's goals this season, they've all been kind of lost from the point, very similar to the goals that, that we saw a lot from Joachim Kamel at the beginning of last draft year had mm-hmm. had everyone ranking him at like top three because he scored like, what, eight goals in the first yeah. 14 games in the Liga and half his goals were circling back to the point and lobbing one that kind of the, uh, the David Clarkson effect. Do you guys remember when the Leafs lost their mind and they Yes, of course. Clarkson I've been watching the... hockey for a year. Okay, well, yeah, Aaron's a newbie. So, and Clarkson was hailed as uh, the new uh, Wendell Clark, who, by the way, he was a guy that was just okay, and he played for the Leafs, and he never yeah. really accomplished much. But anyways, um, so he was tough as nails, though. He was really tough to play against. So they, the, the whole thing was that he was a new Wendell Clark, but you go back to all his goals, and do you remember how much he... Oh, I just hit my mute button, sorry. Do you remember how many goals he got the year before he signed? It was something like... 40 or right yeah it was, it was like 38 or something it was high 30s i'm pretty sure okay so i went back and i checked check david clarkson every single goal like 80 percent of them were bounced off his leg or little floaters from the point and it was okay i understand that his shooting percentage was normal but this is where when you view the video when you realize like a whole lot of that was fluke like it really was fluke so you know it just goes to show that um you know, uh, when it comes to uh, getting pucks on net or luck, yeah, in one season, you can have a whole lot of that luck, but it tends to even out throughout your career. So so it, in that respect, let's be honest, Arbor Jacki, well, he's at three goals already? Yeah. Yeah. I he mean, like rookie defenseman in, goalie, in goals, I believe. So you can't have as many down. goals you as Pac Nimi has points. Down. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which no, is, no. It hurts me to say, but yes. They'd be having a mid off. <laughs> right um geez but that being said i think at this point when you've proven that he can kind of hang uh, i think that 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 boat has sailed and instead of sending him to the hl i agree aaron that there's a lot to learn there um i'm looking at moving a guy like joel edmondson or david saval Absolutely. i mean that, that's that's your ticket the had the haves rookies have played so well that it's actually given the canadians even more leverage right so yeah i mean we talked about it i think last show but uh, Joel Edmondson, to me, odd man out, just because guys like Jack Eye, guys like uh, uh, Kovacevic and Harris are playing so well. And Gooley, Gooley's numbers are atrocious, but but he plays he's with the guy. He plays with the guy that's look that's searching for a lost contact every game. You know, like he's always on the he ground. He spends half the game on his stomach. Exactly. So here's what and, needs and, to happen, in my opinion. We trade Edmondson, it means Savard gets the A. We trade Savard, does Caulfield get the A? It's funny, Aaron. I was actually thinking about that yesterday, whether or not Caulfield, because you know, guys oh. like that don't really get seen as leaders. Not typically, but, but he wore it in the preseason and it looked so good. I, I, I mean, to me, and this is why I had no issue with Nick Suzuki. Obviously, you know, you know what's funny? I'll, I'm going to go real quick with Suzuki. Is that his mom has been really nice to me. So Amanda Suzuki and Rob Suzuki, the parents, great people. Like she brings me chips from Ontario. So for people <laughs> listening to this in Ontario. In Quebec, uh, there wasn't any hell of a good dip, which is a thing you can get in Ontario. So she'd bring me Miss Vicky's and stuff. Go out in the rain by the uh, by the by the Bell Center, and you know we we just chatted, really nice. And I told her at one point, I looked up to her and her husband. I'm like, you know, your son's going to be the captain of this team, right? This is three years ago, and their reaction, they looked at me like, yeah, 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 we do. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, okay, so there's that 
calm confidence to Nick Suzuki that maybe you don't see in Cole Caulfield. But if you're going to put your foundation down, and they have, it's on guys like Caulfield. So in my opinion, yeah, absolutely. And if he's going to be here for another eight years. Exactly. Very true. His, his 10, well, I mean, sign up. You know, if I'm his agent right now, I'm I'm letting every voicemail go to every call from the Habs go to voicemail. I mean, well, hey, if know. I'm Ken Hughes, he's gonna he's gonna find oh. a way to get that deal done. Ken Why Hughes, I'm knocking problem? at his window in his in his bedroom and being like, "Sign this, sign this." It's nine million dollars, but I think we're gonna see like I think it's gonna be more than Suzuki. And I know a lot of people said that's not realistic, but I, it absolutely is because he's not a complete player like Suzuki. However. Cole Caulfield has been great on the forecheck. He's been fantastic in neutral zone. He's been a good playmaker this year. Let's be honest. It's been the evolution of Cole Caulfield as a complete player. But um, six Suzuki, Suzuki. Nick Suzuki is obviously more complete, but goals talk, right? So I think Caulfield will will be starting at what? Eight, five times eight? Mm, I, I think there's going to be a, a very big okay. I, think I, I used to think it was seven, but but come on, guys. He, he's I, one of the best. Me, okay. my, my, my expectation uh, and I think this is going to be the, the final thing for the for the pod here uh, because we are running above an hour at this because point. I tend, I tend to ramble a little bit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but my, I think that the baseline or, or the expectation for the Kako contract is going to be the exact same cap percentage as Nick Suzuki. So, so like nine, nine, Okay, so based on the seven point yeah, yeah. nine seven, I think. No, I believe point. it's nine. I believe Suzuki is nine percent. Yeah, no, 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 I'm saying like, like seven. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and yeah. which is fair because when you look at it this way, those two definitely produce more than 10% of the offense of the team. Like, that's how I always exactly. look at it. In French, it's rapport qualité prix, you know, like bang for your buck. And but I just don't, I think it'll be at the end of the summer and he's probably going to end up being the number one five on five goal scorer in the league. And then you can actually point and say, like, if your power play was good, he'd be even higher, you know. So, I, I mean, he's got all the leverage right in the now. world. He has all the leverage in the world. And I think I think he'll get paid more than Suzuki, honestly. I have done a lot of work in trying to figure out my number. He's going to sign for eight years at $7,725,000. That's my prediction. Is that, are you stealing that from the evolving hockey twins? Because I no, usually just, I think they, I, that's they usually what I do. Lower <laughs> because my logic here, Tage Thompson, who scored 38 goals, signed for $50 million. He's a center. That's a better position. Tim Stutzler's contract is really going to mess things up. So is Mount Barzell's. Larkin is going to be interesting. That's going to be a comparable. So is Horvat. Yeah. But Caulfield, I don't think Caulfield should be touching Jack Hughes, which that contract is ridiculous. Yeah, but well, they'll probably end up getting their best good friends. value out of it. So. <laughs> oh, they're going to get amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just wanted to throw something in because you were name dropping that uh, you have a good relationship with Suzuki's parents. Lane Hudson's dad followed me on Twitter. So if Lane Hudson has... I you hope know, you become best friends. You know what's really cool? And and like for example, the rookie tournament, I got a tap on my shoulder is Owen Beck's uh, dad and uh, stepmom, you know, like, oh, we love your stuff. And just the other day at 4 a.m., Cole Caulfield's mom um liked uh, an article I'd written about you know his evolution as more than a goal scorer, which is when he got when he got drafted, John Werblowski came over and hugged him in the middle of the um the presser and they're all asking him the dumb questions, you know, the media, the typical crap. Are you excited to of play course. Montreal? So I went back and I talked to Werblowski, who's very great, great coach, good guy. He had what 13 guys go in the first round that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think he's coaching uh what the USA women's team right now. But, anyways, so and he I'm like, man, how did this guy fall to this point? And he's like, it's not just that he's a good goal scorer. He's like, Mark, 
this kid can set up plays. He can be a good playmaker. He's yes, he's not big, but he forechecks voraciously. He's smart. So uh, yeah, that was um, the evolution into him being an all-around player has been exciting. But I think you're low there, Aaron. Honestly, we'll find out. I hope I'm not. Well, and- because- look at the deals he was assigned. <laughs> he is such. He's so damn good at making Kirby he's, Dak four he times great three times three sixty two five. However, no, but that no, but that was a that was a gamble. Honestly, that was a gamble when they signed. No, him. it wasn't. Of course, even, a, even if he was a three C, that would have been a fair contract. Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. But just we're you know, paying, just the, we're paying Armia and Byron more than him. No, well, I'm saying the reason I'm saying is is he's coming off an injury ridden season. Yes, that's um, true. And you didn't know what he looked like. Let's be perfectly honest. But however, guys like him and, and even were you guys expecting Monahan to be able to skate as well as he does? Sometimes, yeah. in, sometimes injuries <laughs> pass. So yeah, no, the Kirby Doc thing has been just a master. Like. And again, we're going to go back to it. I hate that they traded away the 13th overall. But at this point, I think we can say it's actually a good trade for both teams. I think it's a, it's a rare win-win. George in 98. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. If, if, the, if the Islanders had like, like the, the, the third round pick or the, 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 the first oh, pick. Oh, yeah. The, the Habs round. paid more, right? They sent a third with Romanov and then they it, sent a fourth. No, it, was, it, was the the it was the first pick uh, of the fourth round. Yeah. So it was expensive, and with, and with man. That, and, with, and with that pick... Um, the Islanders selected Isaiah George, who's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, I, I I know I ranked him at like 27. Seb, seven, 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 every single prospect is your absolute favorite. And I oh, love yeah. it. I love it. Because... I, look, I'm talking about the ones I like. I'm not I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. glossing over And, and also, it's the few times that we can be like unabashed excited about is exactly. guys that aren't in the NHL. So I love it too, yeah. And it's funny with Isaiah George because I think he's at like two points or something this season in, in the OHL playing for the mm-hmm. London Knights. And everyone's like, oh, such a bad pick. And it's something. And I'm like, I mean, watch look the what's guy happening play. He's the Callum best Ritchie. skater in the entire OHL. He's amazing. Every time I put Callum Ritchie at five, everybody's like, he has oh, 14 so points in 19 he's games. So I'm like, points Callum do Ritchie. not tell the whole story. Well, yeah. and so are we Are we ending this episode soon? Because I have one little rant about we are... point, points, points tell. Don't tell the whole Go story. Go for it. It's Just fine for like Leave it at the rant. So to the listeners. Come uh, back for a Logan, a rant about why it's important. Of watching these prospects and why Logan Mayu needs to be evaluated properly. Oh, uh, I I'm excited Let's to go. partake in that one. Uh, so on that, that note, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode eight of the Puck and Roll Podcast season two, and thank you, Mark, for joining us. And uh, we will see you again on Sunday for the second part of this episode. I demand mangoes as payment. Mangoes shall be provided. Yeah, but a, a tough low. Not not none of them Tommy Atkins garbage there. I want the good stuff. <laughs> I have some frozen mango in my freezer. I'll bring it to you. Oh god. Aaron, no, I mean, go get them immediately. I mean, listen, we all have frozen mango in the, in the freezer. I'm talking about the fresh stuff, the good stuff. This podcast was brought to you by Big Mango. Sing a song for the broken hearted